Welcome, welcome back to Studio Z where we're recording live again. Our new upgraded studio, as you can see with our fancy new huge sign over here, and a new upgraded guest. So today I'm joined by an old friend who I worked with at Microsoft called Scott Densmore. Hi Scott. They do call me that. Again, not sure this is an upgrade with me here, but we won't compare. We'll just assume that it is. Yeah, I'm not going to compare It's a great guests. place. It's a great, <laughs> it's a great studio. All my guests are great. Uh, <laughs> But no, I think it's going to be really interesting. I'm really excited to chat with you today. I think, let's do an intro. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about the things you've worked on. You've had a pretty cool career. You've worked on a lot of stuff that I think the audience is going to be interested in. So walk us through it. Sure. Uh, I've been uh, at Microsoft back and forth four times. I started in 1997. I started in uh, support, actually, where I got to go around to different customers and support them on ASP and Com. This was back when everybody was like, what is this comm thing? Like everybody built in Visual Basic and didn't understand, you know, single threaded apartments, all oh of these God. good things. We won't, that's a whole other uh, segment we can do one day. Um, and I then went off and did a startup where we did retail pricing software for grocery store chains. I didn't know this. Uh, okay. Oh yeah, this something completely different. And then I came back to Microsoft and I worked in this uh, group called Patterns and Practices. We built enterprise library, we wrote books, we did all kinds of things for developers where we're trying to make them better developers. Um, and uh, after that, I did a small stint in Microsoft where I built this product uh, called Ohana. Nobody ever seen it. It's a, I would call it a cross, it was 2005. It was a cross between Microsoft Bob and Windows 8. Interesting little product we built in WPF. It was like all about lists and calendars and your family, and you would put it on your desktop, and then we would make lists and we would send them to you over SMS because that's all we had back then uh, on your phone. I came home one day and my uh, partner said, hey, we're moving to Florida. This is when we were living in Washington. We're moving to Florida. Both uh, your daughters and I are moving, so you can come with us. She's found a bunch of places that I could work because she goes, I heard you talk about things that you do. She looked the keywords up. <laughs> You know, like she was dead set on us moving to Florida. Sounds uh, like it. Or they were going to move. They just kind of wanted me to come with them. Um, they were kind enough to let me. So I spent two years working at Disney. I lived in Celebration. I did the whole Disney experience. Again, another show. We could talk about that. Um, and then uh, built software for the cruise lines. Then I came back to Microsoft uh, and spent uh, a couple of versions of Visual Studio Ultimate back in the days and built the biggest thing I can claim that people might know is Code Lens. It's that little ghost text you see all over VS Code and Visual Studio that shows you all this stuff. This is the text above, like in above. small text above the lines of your code that yep. like allows you to navigate and yeah, it just how tells you like who rose it and, and all yeah. the different issues and all those different things. And it only shifted because of a dancing hippo that I made from a Giphy. That's cool. And how thing. many people in this audience have you have lives have you touched in some way through that through I, that feature? It's I, been a while. I don't know. And you know what? Some people love it or hate it. So. <laughs> I'm a fan. They, I'm a fan. They, they may they may want to go like I've never seen I'm never listening to this guy. They're shutting it off right now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, so you know after that I left again to another startup with a bunch of friends and we uh, literally got six months in got bought out by a large telco and we we were doing infrastructure as a service and I learned how to do networking and learned how to program firewalls and all the different things that I'd never done in my life and then I came back to Microsoft worked in this place called uh, App Center. We built, you know, they did the mobile thing. They bought Hockey App and Xamarin and all these different things and, yeah. and did that. And around that time, they did the acquisition, acquisition of GitHub. And in that, Nat Friedman was like running the dev developer, uh, like DevOps tools, like Azure DevOps and App Center was one of those things. And um, 
around that time, he said, like, I want to increase, like, afterward, he became CEO of GitHub. Yeah. A couple of years in, he's like, I think I want to increase the velocity of GitHub. So really called what they, they did a first version of this called Dreamlifter, where they pulled a bunch of people from Actions for, that was working on, uh, that were really Azure DevOps pipelines, and they moved them over, and they built Actions, and that's what Actions is today. And then all of a sudden, he was like, let's move everybody else over. So I went to GitHub. I did the NPM acquisition. We saved, I call it saving the internet because, you know, everybody needs NPM to, yeah, yeah, <laughs> to build yeah. their website. Everybody, not just uh, build a website, to install a CLI. Yeah, like that's everything. how you do it, right? Um, and we did that. And then I also ran enterprise, so GitHub Enterprise Server. And then um, not too long ago, I took over GitHub Copilot. GitHub Copilot, that's dropped in lightly at the end. You know, <laughs> da, da, that's da. not cool at all. Interesting. Is AI interesting today? I don't. Yeah, I think yes. I Maybe. think yes. Well, that I mean, that's exciting. So you're and you're currently the VP of Engineering. I am um, VP for, of Engineering for Copilot. For Copilot, that's awesome. So we definitely want to talk about that. Before we get into that, I'm kind of curious actually. So, you know, GitHub, Microsoft. There is a little bit of a sense of different identity. We were just chatting about this when you arrived. That you know. Um, do you identify as a Microsoft employee or as a GitHub employee? I noticed you're wearing your GitHub. Um, oh yeah, I'm, your GitHub I'm definitely buddy. all in on GitHub. All in on GitHub. Is the engineering culture different? Is there, would you say there's differences in how things get built and how teams are managed and the rhythm of the business is run? For sure. Um, I can kind of compare and contrast. One of the things about that is a little different from GitHub is it's a completely remote culture. Ah. So if you think about my days at Microsoft, and even, even after the pandemic, there's still this hybrid approach, like people go to the offices, yeah. there's a huge campus in the middle of Redmond they, that they keep making bigger, all the big tools are built there. But even though they were, you know, support like a remote culture, like Hanselman, you know, he lives in Portland. Yep. Like he's, yep. he's like a guy that's very visible, but doesn't necessarily work on campus. But at GitHub, there's really no one place that hmm. people live. I have people that work in Australia, Japan, Germany, England, East Coast, West Coast, Canada, you know, all over really the world. Really distributed, all over time zones. Yeah, That's the hardest thing is the time zone yeah, spread, right? And we try to like circle people, like teams around time zones, because, you know, that can get difficult. Yep. But the culture is about writing everything down. If it doesn't have a link, it doesn't exist. You write everything, we use get issues for everything, like GitHub issues, you write everything in an issue. You allow people to comment. It becomes a little more open around those things rather than like at, uh, when you're in an office, you just walk down the hall, you yeah. talk to people, um, you just don't have that. And that culture al allows itself to a very async culture where I think M Microsoft, I don't think, it was a very synchronous culture and still pretty much is. Like one of the things that we're doing is GitHub partners a lot with Microsoft on the on GitHub Copilot because they own the extensions. So okay. whenever you're in your editor, the extension for GitHub is the VS Code extension, and then there's the VS extension. Of course, there's IntelliJ and NeoVim. You know, we work with them back and forth because they own the extensions, so they build those. And so it's a it becomes an interesting culture of like they want to get on a Teams meeting. Of course, we use Zoom and <laughs> and they, they they, you know, so we, oh, we, we have this interesting... You're not, you're not, so you're not forced to use all of the Microsoft nope, products, you guys. Google Docs, Zoom, uh, Google Slack. Google Docs? Did you just say that? Oh, wow. I know. It's, it's, it is a completely separate company, right? Even though we are owned by Microsoft and it's kind of like LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a, its own separate company and we're our own separate company. But That's we cool. use all the... We have our own identity. So the engineering cultures are just different. They, you know, we have our own developer experience tools. We have our own way deploying things. We have, 
where our data, you know, where we deploy into our, like GitHub was built onto its own data center, so we're not using Azure. We're mm. moving more things to Azure. We used to use AWS for everything. We're not forced into any of these things. It's like you make the choice as GitHub of where it works best for you. We don't have, like we don't use Azure Active Directory. You know, anybody that signs, like you were saying, anybody that signs into GitHub is signing into GitHub. No, we support, so account. Yeah, we yeah. support these things, but it's like you are a GitHub, we are GitHub. I mean, I literally no my that's handle cool. is my GitHub handle. Like that's it. And I sign in with my GitHub handle. We use, we have our own authentication and things like that for, to make sure that, you know, we support. I live in the GitHub organization, just like anybody in a GitHub org would live in their own organization. Wow, I, and, and I doff my cap to Satya there. I, I don't think his predecessor would have allowed you to uh, no. use Google Docs. The, the, I don't think no. that would have, would have washed. Um, <laughs> but it's really, that's interesting, that's really cool. I had no idea it was gonna, was gonna go there. So that's cool. And actually, it excites me because, you know, Zuplo, we're building a remote company. And there's definitely trade-offs. You know, I, I do think if all the whole team was in the same office, we'd probably, you know, we might be 20% faster or something. Um, but obviously, there's trade-offs of, like, people's flexibility and being able to hire the best talent wherever it is in the world. Right. Um, so it gives me real hope that something as large and as good. I really think GitHub is like a, you know, I, sorry, I don't want to beat on Microsoft here. It's not the, the goal. No, 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 I mean. But we, 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 we don't use different. a ton of Microsoft stuff ourselves. We use Zoom. We use Slack. Um, but we do use GitHub and we do use VS Code. Like, two yeah. excellent, excellent products exactly. that I really love. Exactly. Like, and that's, like I said, they, it is, they're just different, right? Like the way that they run the engineering teams is different, yeah. but they're, in some ways they're similar. For example, we, ha we do the same thing. We have engineering product and design, the triad of people that work there, just like Microsoft does. I mean, most yeah. companies do. Like yeah. they, you know, we have an engineering culture where we do have organization. It's not, a, it's not a flat organization, but it's a, probably a little flatter than, than most, but we have 1200 engineers at GitHub. Wow not 3,000. I mean, it's yeah. like the company is total is about 3,000 people. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. Oh. And most of it is engineering because a third of the company is engineering because it's an engineering based company. Yeah. I mean, when I walk up and do demos, I open up VS code. Like I'm not a slideware guy. I like, yeah. it's an engineering company. We should so show how we do engineering at GitHub. And is it, is it, is the company quite top down? I remember Microsoft being quite top down when I was, it's a long time. I was, you know, when was I? Yeah. I left in 2015. So it's like eight years ago now. And it was changing a bit because Satya had come to power and was right. certainly changed the shape of things. I'd been lucky to work for Satya and Scott Guthrie before, who I think define a lot of what it looks like today. But it was still quite top down. There was like a scaffolding. And then I went to Facebook, which was very bottoms up. Like teams right. had a lot of autonomy, almost like you were given a bunch of resources and we said, cool, what hoops, you know, what tricks are you going to perform? What are you going to do with yeah. these resources to keep them? How is it at GitHub? How is it compared? It's much more, uh, we give agency to the teams, right? Like okay. I, I'm a, and it's, and it's, again, it's based on this culture of like, we bring works to the work to the teams. We do have an organization, like we have, the, my organization is Copilot. And we could talk a little bit about how that's not true in some ways, but most of Copilot I do, I mean, because I don't own the extensions over at DevDiv, but that's, that's kind of the way it is. But most of the teams, most all of the teams have agency. Like we say, here's the work we're going to do. Um, you plan it out. You work on it. You tell us how hmm. this is going to be so that you own this. Because we want to give the sense of ownership to the teams, but it's like because of that DevOps model as well. You own it. You build it. You run it. You own it. You do the whole thing, right? Like it's not like we have a set of SREs or something that go do all the work for you. You do the whole thing. So you should have agency over yeah. what that does. There's a kind of top down of like, what is our goals for the year? So like 
revenue, EPD and revenue get together and say like, what are our revenue targets? What are the big things we're gonna go after this year? We actually plan on semesters, which is like six months at a time. Yep. And what are the big goals there? So that we can let the teams know, okay, this is what you should focus on. Like what, you know, one of the big things, you know, we have these big things we're focused on this semester, which is availability because we wanna make, you know, can't make any money if the sites goes down. Um, and, uh, you know, like we have availability, the enterprise space, uh, a, a bunch of enterprise adoption blockers that we want to remove, as well as, you know, our advanced security and co-pilot. So those are the big four things we want to work on and where we are driving towards for this semester on how we do, it's, and FY24, because we run a fiscal year just like Microsoft of, you know, yep, yep. July to June. Um, so we want to do that. And that's basically it. Once we set those objectives, it kind of just trickles down of like, what are you working on? The teams own it. Go for it. Awesome. Actually, and it reminds me of something VJ said uh, in our, the last discussion. He talked about, you know, um, sort of execution and, and daily operations and very bottoms up. But strategy needs to be set yes. somewhat top down. Like there needs to be yep. like a single point where that's emanating from coming down through the organization. So it seems like that's sort of yeah, like, like hubs. My product, uh, Mario, my product. And I, and so is Xuan, who runs uh, the Code Intelligent platforms, set the strategy and the objectives and all the good stuff for mm. for the teams. And then we give them the agency to say, you execute on that. How do you want to plan it? How do you want to deliver on it? Uh, those things. Nice. And then they, they let us know what's going on. Nice. Nice. Okay. So obviously, since we've got you here, we're going to talk about Copilot. Um, okay. Let's do that. I, and before we do, I, how long have you been working on Copilot? I have been working on Copilot for about... Three months. It feels like three years. Okay. But I transitioned over to Copilot. I remember the day I got the, the you know, because I had to interview for the job just like everybody else. Yeah. Um, I remember the day they told me I had a job, which was build of this year. So it was in May. Uh, I was at build in downtown Seattle. Which and is I got a, a Microsoft, the big Microsoft. Yeah, sorry, Microsoft. If you're not yeah. a Microsoft follower. Yeah. Yeah. And we were down there and uh, I got a phone call from Mike Hanley, who's the SVP of engineering. He's like, you're going to transition over to Copilot. Congratulations. You got the job. Nice. And I, all I could think to myself was, I couldn't have planned this any better. I bought a house. I got a new job and I went away for two weeks to Australia. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, let's see if I can make this. And it was the end of the year. And in any, and of course, in my job, it's all about review time and everything else like yeah. that. So I was like, yeah, this is, this is, this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Good way to start. Yeah. That's uh, the best way to start your job. I mean, I guess one place to start is, you know, I, th I think most people, hopefully most people know, let's assume they don't, but quickly, what is Copilot? What is it today? Like, if I yeah. go and install this thing, what am I going to see? What am I going to experience? Yeah, so Copilot is basically, we call it the AI pair programmer. Today, it is co about code completion. It is, if you're in your editor, you're typing, and you're start, and it's just like you had IntelliSense, and it was a pop-up. Well, that's very similar, except I can write a comment about, I want to write FizzBuzz in JavaScript, and out comes FizzBuzz in JavaScript. There's yeah. only a few ways to do that. Um, and you do that. And you also in beta today is also chat. So like chat GPT, uh, you have a chat window with, that you can talk to in Copilot is very geared towards uh, your coding, coding questions and uh, trying to help you there. But the thing about it is it has context because you are writing, you know, any code that you have, any tabs you have open, we gather context from and get that. And that's what Copilot is today. 
we can always talk about what it's going to be and all. Yeah, the I'll other definitely crap. want to get into that. What's we'll the, the vision for this thing? And then you know some some spicier AI questions. Let's which do I'm it. Sure, you're expecting. Yes. Yeah, I mean that's cool. You know, it, it is impressive. You, I was just thinking actually the the note I made here. My experience of it, we use it uh, at Zuplo, and I find it really great for writing those finickety little algorithms that are very testable. You know, yep. like I need to reorder an array in some special way or something. Is this this is probably the end of leak code, right? Hopefully, this is the end of like leak code tests. Like oh, no, yeah. one's, no one's writing bubble sorts anymore. I just write no. like bubble sort as a function and it's just going to auto complete the, well, I mean, the sort what's for me. the difference i mean in some ways that's all we ever did it's uh one of the things that we do um in our interviews is we say here's the problem you can use google or the internet sure. to solve it because yeah. we all do right yeah. like yeah. who remembers like we the days of the books at my desk because <laughs> i'm old uh <laughs> The books at my desk where I had all the APIs and I looked up yeah. to the internet to like IntelliSense and all of this evolution of productivity today is like, I, I, what you really want is, hey, and like you and I were sitting there writing code, hey, I want to write, to, I want to reverse this list. Yeah. How do I yeah. do that? Yeah. And you're like, oh, I can bang the code out for you to do that. Yeah. Well, that's all that's Copilot is doing for yeah. me is it's going to, it's going to solve a lot of those problems that I can say, I know what I need to do. So I'm the pilot. I know what I need to do. Yeah. I just want you to write that code for me, and I can see if it's right. It makes sense. It was just machination. It's like I have in my mind what I'm going to do here. I'm probably going to make some mistakes and run several, debug it several times until I get it quite right. Yeah. So let's just simplify that process. Uh, maybe another way of putting it is, you know, I think a lot of people start to use Stack Overflow and cut and paste code from Stack Overflow. Yeah. It's like a faster, <laughs> a faster version of that almost. So, so what's the vision for this thing though? Like, I mean, you know, I have a sense that, that there's a much more exciting set of capabilities that could be put into right. Visual Studio Code or, you know, idea, whatever it's called, JetBrains and so on. Um, yeah, what's coming? What's coming down the path? Like, what is the vision for Copilot? So universe is coming. So I won't ruin it. I won't ruin the surprise for everyone because okay. in four five weeks, universe is a conference. GitHub Universe comes November seventh or eighth and ninth. Okay, I think that's eighth and ninth. Okay, I'm, I always get told what these things are. But universe is where our big announcements are. But let me let me kind of give you the idea of what we were trying to do at GitHub with GitHub Copilot. So okay. if I think about today, what is what is the goal of of like the goal of GitHub and GitHub Copilot? It's developer happiness. That's why we do it. Okay. No other reason. We want you to be happy. Why? No one wants to drudge through code. Nobody wants to, you know, write the factory pattern because you're sitting in Java and have to because that's how you write code in that in that sense. I don't want to have to deal with the mundaneness of writing the code because the end of the day, although it may be fun, the goal is customer value. Yeah. The end result is the is the goal, and. If I can reduce the time that goes from, you know, because I say we pay people to think, not type. Yeah. So if I can reduce that time to value, well, that's, you know, by 50%. So we've, we've had studies and all these different things that kind of show like anywhere between 30 and 50% productivity gains by wow. using Copilot. So if I can reduce the time for coding to this, to like 50%, that's great. The other half of the problem still exists in your value chain, which is like, you know, how do I do product type things? How do I write issues? How do I... How do I deploy? How do I test? How do I get all of these things all the way to production? Yeah, okay. So if that whole thing is 100%, but we only reduced one part of it by half, you still have all of the other pieces to go. So when you think about GitHub Copilot, think about it as we're going to infuse Copilot and AI into the entire platform. Okay. So the full life cycle almost yes. might be what, what I think yes. of from, from like issues to... to P like, 
if I could summarize a PR because you got a hundred line, you know, got hundred comments in there. If I could say like TL, you know, hey copilot, summarize the PR for me. Tell me what this PR is doing. Wow. You know, today, and this is where it gets a little nerdy, but today I can. We do nerdy. That's okay. I, okay, good. <laughs> we are we are engineers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even though they, I traded in my. Uh, IDE for like you don't get to you know, code now. My uh, Gmail. <laughs> <laughs> for, well, as a PM, I traded in for spreadsheets for yeah. uh, Google Sheets or whatever. Um, but if you think about uh, like today with Copilot, it's pretty magical. So I can write some function, and you're like, "Holy crap, that's probably how I would do that." But a lot of customers say, "But it's not the code I w that that I want. It's not my code." So if you think if you're a financial institution and you have your own like way to look up stock symbols or something, but if yep. you ask Copilot today, it's going to give you the public version of that. Like maybe it's you and Yahoo or something like that is the way to get the stock symbol. But you're you're like no no no, I want my internal version of this. So there's things that you know we can do to say, well maybe we can index your code and build a vector index on top of that so that we can weight that differently and fine tune that. Or if even if you had enough code, we could build an entire model of your code. And so that when you ask for these completions, we will weight your code over what we would get out of these LLMs that are just like the corpus of open source in the world. Now we don't, you know, when we use Copilot, we don't train on your code. We don't do anything. It's just tokens in and out. Yeah. But if we could give you the ability, because when I say infuse AI into GitHub, all the data exists in GitHub, right? If you think about yeah, yeah, what already yeah. exists, yeah. the PRs, the issues, all the things you do already exist in GitHub. But if I could walk up and say like, you know, here's this code, I write some code and I, it looks like code that exists already in this. And you could be like, oh, this code already exists in this function over here in this library of your oh, code. Wow. Or you could walk up and say like, to GitHub and say like, oh, highlight this code and say, explain this to me. You can kind of do that in chat, but it explains it based on it, what it knows about your code because it has an index of all of your code already. So you can do so much more with that rather than you can today walk up to the chat and say, explain this code. And it will do pretty well if it has enough context because all of this is about context. And But if I can do that with code and then I can also say like, here's the PR for this code and 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 here's like all of these things, but I'm doing it in a natural language way. I'm not like double clicking and chasing down things. I'm just asking questions and using chat to find the stuff out. Okay, so I know you're wait like, a minute, wait a minute, wait. I can't follow. No, no, I'm but I think so. But I'm just getting excited because yeah, we use GitHub, so you yeah. know, everything's in there. Like all of our code is in right. is in GitHub, and you know we have a new hire starting on Monday. Yep. And I'm just thinking, so you know what what would be super cool was you know we send them a bug. Like, hey, we, we want you to fix this bug and you're, you know, it's a nice tour de force. It's a nice little tour of the yeah, system. Yeah, here we you're going to get yeah. to go on a, a mission. Would they, in theory, be able, like, because you said a model over your code. So I'm starting to immediately think, well, I've, I've used chat GPT. I know what that means. Could that person sort of say, where would I go to f address this problem? Would, it, would they be able to ask questions of the entire code base and get answers? Yes. Wow. Why That's kind of insane. There's no, yeah, there's no, no difference no, between. Makes sense. <laughs> yes, it makes sense. Yeah, so like the, the thing is, is like the way I view Copilot and GitHub Copilot, and it's kind of weird, is it's going to change the way you do development. Yeah. Why do I, it's no different than if you and I, again, are sitting down, like I used to sit down with my friend, like the coworkers, when we do pair programming, like people are like, oh, pair programming, I like it. But I actually did because there was, we had both had the context. 
and we could ask questions and it was just a means to an end to type the code out because hmm. solving the problem was really the thing but and think about it this way how many people get to write new code the hmm. reason you send that guy a bug is because you're like i need you to figure out how the code works but what if he could walk up and say like explain this code to me hmm. and it could and and copilot could come back like hey, this code does this, this code does that. You might need that if he's looking at some of my codes. Like, yeah. <laughs> Everybody needs it for my code. <laughs> so um, think about it this way is any code that you have that you can index, it's just like these large language models. Like they've indexed all of this, these, this, the corpus of the internet. And when you ask it a question, it's going to give you back what, the, what it thinks is the right answer, right? It's just, it's just a it's not a deterministic engine, it's a probabilistic engine. So I give it these tokens and I get tokens back, it seems like it's, that's the right thing. But if it has the tokens based on your code, it can kind of think about, oh yeah, this seems like it should be the next thing that comes out. So it looks like it knows exactly what it's hmm. talking about. So we're just basically waiting your code over what the LLM would give us and we're wow. providing it context. And there's two, you know, like, in kind of nerdy way of saying there's two ways to do this. We can either build a large a model on top of your code, or we can do what we call retrieval augmentation generation, which is basically build a vector index on top of your code wow. and then provide more context. And these, the reason we can start doing this is these, these language models are, st are constantly getting bigger context windows, which we could have a whole conversation about whether that actually makes it better or not, but that's what the data science people are for. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Interesting. Okay. I mean, that's exciting. So yeah, I can, I mean, everyone should watch GitHub Universe on November 7th, you said? 7th or 8th. 7th night. or 8th, uh, early yeah. November. And find out what, what, what exciting goodies you guys have got in store. But that, I mean, that's pretty exciting. Um, but it is going to lead to some questions. Yes. Spicy time. You know, I, you know, I asked the team, what if you're I'm meeting with the VPN of Copilot, like, what would you ask? And, you know, most of the questions lean towards the so... What was written, hidden between the lines is, is this going to replace me? Like, am I, do we not need engineers anymore? So how do you, how do you address a question like that? What's the, what, what's your thoughts on, on, on that? Yeah, I, I believe it'll replace me before it replaces the engineers. Um, <laughs> I'm easy to replace. The way a lot of people have this like fear of, am I going to be replaced by this AI thing? And, yeah. and there's a reason we call it co-pilot. You are still the pilot. There, Today, this thing is not going to write the perfect you know, code for you. You're not going to walk up to it and say, like, I want to build this application, blah, blah, blah. It will do a lot of cool things, and it can do some of these things. But what it can't do is know how to put it all together, all of these things that you know as the human of, like, I need to solve this problem. It's not solving the problem. It's helping you solve the problem. So yep. do I, I always say, like, it shouldn't replace engineers. It should allow you to deliver more value with the same amount of engineers. Okay. Right? You think, I kind of equate it to uh, the Industrial Revolution. Right. So right. if you think about the Industrial Revolution, and for those that don't know, this happened in the like, turn of the early 20th century where we, you know, we went from horse and buggy and candlelight to electricity and technology, and we kind of did all this, and this was the same fear. Like, oh, I'm not going to have a job. I'm not going to have this. It's going to replace me. I'm not, I'm not going to do anything. And Interestingly enough, that really didn't happen. Like, sure, people had to find new jobs and new skills, but it didn't really happen in terms of, like, the world didn't end. No. Right? And I always equate it to something like that. It's like, the cool thing about this is, it's this, this evolution that happens that says, we, are, we can solve this problem in a different way now. We can do it better. There's so many more things now we can do because of that. We, you know, I always say, like, 
we don't even know what we can't do because we're, we're so busy doing the thing we're doing now. Well, if we freed up time to have time to think about what else we could do and what are the problems we could solve, great, let's do that. Interesting. Yeah, no, this is definitely, I think overall history with every sort of technological advance, employment has actually increased. Right. On the I think there's a, like decrease. a, if you look at some of the numbers, it's just like, there is a, sh there is still a shortage of developers. Like literally just a, and this, this will, this will help. And think about it this way. You remember Y2K and all the COBOL code that yeah, had to yeah. be converted? That still exists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, but with Copilot and these type of tools, we are able to convert that Copilot yeah. between COBOL and maybe you want to go to Python. And now we don't have to worry about that anymore. And we can actually, okay, we have these tools that we don't rely on people for to carry around this knowledge of conversion of like, I got to update this COBOL program because it's, you know, 20 years old and nobody knows COBOL anymore. There's a lot more we can do. There's no perfect answer here, but like these are the things that we can start helping with and start thinking about, well, what can we do next? Um, okay, so interesting. So, you know, I, I think I think this is a, a fairly well-documented phenomenon that as we see these advances, we see an increase in employment over time. There's a little bit of disruption maybe as people do need to find new roles, yeah. but ultimately this has been proven out not just with the Industrial Revolution, but I think you know, with every age that's gone before right. from like the Bronze Age and the Iron Age and technology, that's what happened. There is something a little bit unique about AI though, and that is this fear of, of this kind of singularity. And you know, there's two, there's two forms of this that I understand that are frightening. One is that we create this AI, it's super intelligent, and it decides humans are kind of in the way of it achieving its goals. But you know, maybe we see it as like an evolution of the human form, like or right. just the evolution of of um, of life, of consciousness, has now evolved into this other thing, and it goes on, it explores the universe, and we're kind of proud, not descendants, the opposite of descendants, whatever that is, um, we're proud like parents of this yes, thing. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, maybe a little sad about how it all went down, Skynet style with Terminator <laughs> robots and so <laughs> yeah. on. You know, maybe that wasn't great. Um, but that's one outcome. The, the even darker outcome is this paperclip monster where we create an AI, we tell it, we give it some mundane goal, and in pursuit of that goal, it destroys humanity anyway. And the goal is that, you know, we told it to make paperclips, just make paperclips. And it's so good at doing this, it decides that humans aren't needed, and this thing just sits here making paperclips until it runs out of resources and then can't go anywhere. You know, it doesn't go exploring the universe. It isn't any kind of form of evolution. What's your take? You know, you work in the AI space. Um, what's your take on, on these fears? Like, how, how do you feel about it? I will never say never on anything. Sure. I, I, I wouldn't have guessed, you know, three years ago that we could do things like this with these large language models. But I don't think that, I don't see that doomsday scenario, whether it be Skynet or paperclips or <laughs> it just spews out code all day long. <laughs> so... It, it, it seems to me like, the, and I guess I look at it very simply, and I'll give you kind of an example of when ChatGPT comes out, you saw a lot of people do a lot of things and they were like, oh, but it can't add. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, yes, it can't. It's not really good at that because that's not what it was trained to do. But if you add things to it, it's like, you know, Wolfram Alpha came out, put a plug into there and he's sure. like, gave him a computer. It's like, okay, now it can add. Yeah. So, but I don't think it will ever get to this point where it's like, oh, I can figure out how to add, right? Like now, all these language models get better and can do more things over time, but I don't 
foresee anytime soon going, I now have a conscious and can, you know, take over the, I have like an idea, right? Like, cause you're basically saying, I could see the paperclip model one where, you know, like eventually goes, oh, you're getting in the way of making a paperclip, but that seems a little far-fetched. I also feel like it having ideas of its own, at least being able to act upon them, like I don't see that happening anytime soon. Now, I will say, and never say never, <laughs> but I just don't see how that is. Because basically it's just linear algebra. Yeah. It's just math. Yeah. Right? Like it's a tokens in, tokens out in these large language models. It's a prediction, a, you know, a, not a prediction, but a, a non-deterministic uh, probabilistic engine. I say, you know, you and I having a conversation here, you, I have no idea what you're going to say next. Yeah. You probably don't either yeah. until, until you yeah. actually say it. So it's like, you could, in that sense, we could be the doomsdayers because <laughs> you never know what we're going to turn into next. Yeah. So I kind of think of it that way in terms of, I don't see it happening anytime soon. And even if, it, even if we got to that point, I'm not really sure. I think we would understand enough of it to go like, well, we know how to direct this thing or at least direct it in the way we want. So this is like the alignment. I think they call it like yeah. alignment, right? Yeah, it's aligned alignment. with our right. goals, goals and opposed and, to us. And, right. Like, and, and looking to replace us. Yeah. So coming, coming down from that like scurry Skynet discussion, you know, how far do you think we are away from giving an AI a much simpler prompt and it doing a good job? So, you know, no secret, Zuplo is an API gateway, API management company, you know, is there a world where one day I just show up as a single person and go build me an API gateway? Here's the kind of here's how I want it to be. Here's the differentiators I want, and it just spits out like a whole, the whole thing. You know, right. like a, the, everything that we've spent you know two years building is like boom. There it is in an hour. It's like spewed this out. Is that going to happen this year? Is that going to be announced on November seventh? So, <laughs> no. I will. I will give you that one. I I, I will spoil that one. No, that's not going to happen November seventh. But. I look at it this way. I think Bill Gates said this, and not that he says everything, but people, we overestimate what we can do in a year and underestimate what, we, what will happen in 10. Okay. So I don't think in a year you're going to walk up and say, build me an API gateway, because I don't think you could walk up to one person and say, like, build an API gateway and get the same thing. It's too ambiguous. Yeah. There's no it's a clarity bit, in it. Yeah. Right. There's yeah. just, like, too many things that go on. I mean, we did a study where we said build an HP server, and with GitHub Copilot, they built it in half the time that it took like a person who didn't use GitHub Copilot. Yeah. But that was like an HP server, not an API gateway. Yeah. So will you get to this point where it can stub out like these things? Sure. Like you can go into VS Code today. You can use a slash command called create workspace. You can say slash create workspace. I want to build an app with, you know, with ASP.NET that connects to a Cosmos database. And it will scaffold you an app that does that. Hmm. Now, it's not gonna fill in all the holes and all the other stuff. So to your point, it's sooner than we probably think, but not a year from now. Okay, okay, interesting. And how, you know, uh, how, how are you thinking about things like the ethics of AI at GitHub? When I think about that and some of the challenges for you is, um, you know, uh, do, do you worry about attribution of code? Like is some of your model might be generated on like open source or not open source. Like, How does navigating that look like for the Copilot team? Um, so we care a lot about that. So we, again, we want to put the control in the user's hands. 
So whenever you're using Copilot, you may or may not know this today, but you actually get 10 results back. And you can view them and you can say, uh, and we show you of, this, of these results, although we don't send exact matches back, we will send you back, uh, we will tell you based on how this was generated, it came from this type of code and what license it was, where that license was hmm. for that code that helped generate this response. Um, we will also tell you if it's a complete match. My previous example of FizzBuzz, there's only so many ways to write FizzBuzz. So if you ask VS, uh, VS Code or Copilot to ask you to do this, it will probably tell you, oh, by the way, this matches all of these things on GitHub. And so what we've done is we've built this attribution engine that goes and fingerprints all the code in GitHub that was used to train all of the large language models so that we can tell when something matches. And Got then it. you can control do you want LGBTL? Do you want GPL? Do you care about MIT? And you can say to GitHub or to Copilot, don't use these licenses. So don't even show me things that might have even touched this kind of license before. So this is like this idea that we're going to give you control over this so that you don't have this. I mean, we have all of these filters put into place because we care about you don't want to introduce vulnerabilities into people's code. Mm. You want you don't want SQL injections. You don't want like, you know, we're constantly monitoring and actually making better these filters. We monitor hate speech, all responsible AI things. Microsoft has a thing that says, you can't even ship things without going through all of this responsible AI sets that we do. We have to red team everything, which is basically, can we break this thing and make yeah. it do bad stuff? Um, just like everybody saw back in the day when everybody's freaking out, like, <laughs> you know, the AI was doomsday um, whenever, when ChatGPT came out. And we have to do constantly this so that we feel comfortable in the quality and that things are not bad things are not going to happen. You're going to get the right codes. You're going to be able to have control over all this. So, yeah, we think about it a lot. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. That's a, that's a really interesting problem. Let me change the topic. So, uh, Zuplo is an API company. We do, you just know, we do API gateway and API management. What do you think the impact of AI is going to be on the importance of APIs? Do you think it makes... APIs, do you think it's irrelevant? It's just the same as all other code? Do you think it makes APIs more important in the universe? Um, I think it makes it more important. Let okay. me tell you why I think that's the case. So when you think about uh, AI and what you're doing, and you're basically saying, I, I always say like AI is this way of saying, it's a way to expose your data. Like it's generative, right? Like you've yep. got all this data, so what can you generate from it? And you, when, you, when you really are doing this, you're building these APIs around uh, how you interact with those models, how you interact with these things. It's called OpenAI for a reason. Yeah. Um, and it has all these APIs that you can talk to, all yeah. of these things. These are super important that how you can interact with these so that you can basically take this large language model and make a product out of it. Yeah. Because all this AI stuff is great as a technology, but what you really want is to build a product on top of it. And so you're going to need all these APIs. And one of the things, and kind of coming back around to why I think it's important, is think about these plugins for OpenAI or this idea of having extensibility in these models. Yeah. Well, that requires basically this plugin to call some other API that exists today so that it knows how to talk to that thing so that it can bring it back. I think about these plugins and I call them Ask the Experts. Hmm. So think about, for example, I'm a developer. I was taking an example. And if I had uh, access to these co-pilots, and let's just say these experts, and 
in GitHub, I had a copilot and I'm trying to, I woke up at two o'clock in the morning and I've been uh, paged and I have a Datadog alert to say, I bring in the Datadog expert because it's using the APIs from Datadog. And I ask it questions like, show me the, the result of this, of this alert and it shows me the alert. And then I say, I bring in the Sentry alert and I say like, based on this, you know, show me the 500s and what happened in the last time frame, and it uses the APIs for Sentry to come back and it gives me the answers. And I'm very lang I'm doing this all in natural natural language. I'm not doing anything. Mm. And then I I get the the thing and I see the code and I'm like, oh yeah, that's probably the code that the problem is because that matches my data dog alert. And I click on a copilot and I get the I get the blames for that right in GitHub. Mm. And then I get the blames and then I see like, oh yeah, this is probably the code. And then I can then create a PR because I could ask Copilot like, hey, what, how do you fix this code? And it creates a fix for me. And then I generate a PR, I check it in, I deploy it, and I'm back in bed in 30 minutes. Wow. Yeah, I, I think I agree. I, I, the, the take we've been talking about on this is, um, you know, there's like a boundary between AI and, and the real world as well. Yes. So if you want your AI to do something that interacts with the real world, it needs some interface to yes. do that, which you know, I think is gonna be some kind of API. So Correct. You know, if we want the AI to turn on or off that light switch, you you know, it's not got a finger. Not yet yeah. anyway, until there's like a robot, I guess. Uh, yeah. you know, Tesla but, ships that are But these, these, you need a way to, 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 if you have all these models and to do something, so I said, it's like a, it's a product. So you need an API to, to interact with it but what you're really putting on top of that is this natural language interface to these APIs, and it's just a different style of API. Yeah. It's almost like yeah. all the APIs just accept strings because there's yeah. context and yeah. prompts and things that how you actually interact with that so that you can return something back that is based on that data that it that you have. Like, yeah. And then that expert returns that data and it's just all done through natural language. It's super interesting. So I, I, I led the integration portfolio at Microsoft for a while. So I looked after BizTalk server. Do you remember that? All oh yeah, 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 yeah. And we did Logic Apps with like Charles Lamana and Power Automate Pro, which used to be called Microsoft Flow with Steve uh, Siciliano. And these, these integration products, like really what they're doing is that there's some sort of API surface and then there's, you know, connectors to connect, which is running a team of connectors is very hard. You have to yeah. keep these things up to date. Salesforce changes their API, doesn't tell you about it. And then mostly what's going on inside this integration is just some kind of transformation. That whole space seems so interesting from an AI perspective. Yes. You know, the minute I saw um, ChatGPT's plugins and the fact that you just pass it an open API and it, you know, an open API specification that defines, and it's like, oh good, yeah, I know how to use this now. Yeah. Like literally mind blowing, like wild what's gonna happen in that space. I think mean, that's yeah. really, really yeah, right. Yeah, that whole extensibility some. space and bringing these things together, but it requires those APIs that have that interface back to your data, your piece. Like, yeah. if, you know, that, that whole, like I said, Wolfram built a plugin for gave, yes. gave ChatGPT to your computer. Yeah. That has some API back to all of their data and yeah. how they do things. Okay. Couple of last questions, sort of spicy ones again. Okay. Um, one thing I, I think about quite a bit with this is how these awesome tools are gonna to be used maliciously. So, you know, thinking about hackers, um, yep. for example, someone like trying to get into a system, you know, they now have an AI army searching for vulnerabilities. Like how does, how do you think about that at Copilot? Like what's... Uh... So this is back to kind of your question around what do we think about, how, how do we not help with these vulnerabilities? So yeah. you think about the platform itself. We have a lot, like in a whole advanced security product where we look for passwords for all of these things and we scrub all of these things out because 
we don't even want to show you passwords because even if you had, because I am 100% sure that out in the wild, there are passwords in all this code that was, that was. This is your secret scanning feature? Yep. Zuplo is a partner. Yeah. If you use our API key solution, we get a notification from those guys and we cancel your key for you. So yeah, we know about yeah. this. Yeah. So the, Great but, feature. Yeah. <laughs> Good plug. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but, but when you think about these things of all these malicious things, like there are so many vulnerabilities out there. And what we try to do is say like, whenever we give you code, we're trying, we're not going to give you that vulnerability. So if you write it, like I can't stop you, but we're going to not be part of that situation so we don't so we don't give you back uh the any tokens that look like a key or a password or anything yeah. like that so that we're not writing passwords in the code for you because normally what that means even though it's a deterministic engine it's like maybe that is a password because yeah. you just made it up and yeah. somewhere it came from something and we we do all of these filters to actually stop those type of things from happening and it's the same thing we do a lot of work so that's the red team work where you can't break the thing to get it to do things that we wouldn't want you to do with it. Got it. And so we Got spend it. a lot of time with that because, and that's part of like all up Microsoft and GitHub, like any AI feature has to go through this entire set of testing and uh, certification so that none of these things happen. Got it. So this is the sort of thing where people are trying to, you know, I've seen a lot written about people trying to prompt um, chat GPT into doing nefarious things that there's been safeguards put into. This is essentially one of the ways you're sort of attacking this problem. Right. And then on the other side, you're helping people ship more secure code because if Correct. they're using Copilot, you know, it's getting some best practices built in. And hopefully we're not shipping code with vulnerabilities. So there is no, there is no right. like side door or back door exactly. um, into them. Awesome. Scott, is there anything I've not asked you about that I should have asked? No, I think, you know, I think the, the only other question that people ask me about is the whole legal question, which is the spicy question I'm surprised you didn't ask me. Okay, you, which well, what's, is, the, what's the question? So usually people go like, so how do I, people either worry about how they, the code, if they ever got sued because it was generated by AI, oh. could it be like, you could sue me for using code that was trained on mine. This is like the whole like an IP thing, the like IP you know, yeah, thing, okay, like yeah, the, yeah. Um, so shameless plug. Uh, <laughs> the the idea is we do that. We offer indemnification. So basically, if you oh. were ever sued, we got you covered. Interesting. This is, all at Microsoft does this, but GitHub uh, Copilot for business. If you sign up for GitHub Copilot business and you get sued because somebody sued you for IP infringement and all stuff, we will, we will take care of that for you. Does ChatGPT offer this indemnification? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I don't know about that. So we yeah. should be using, use Copilot, protect yourself, folks. Yeah. Um, that is well, the, the last big one. Yeah, okay, well that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Well, I'm very excited to see what you've got coming at Universe you now. Will be. Genuinely, yeah. actually. I, uh, I will, we'll, we'll make sure the team is watching with enthusiasm, for sure. Uh, thanks for taking the time to chat with us. This has been awesome. I've really enjoyed it. It's been great to see you again. It's great to see um, you again. This yeah. has been super awesome. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So we'll be back here. We have another guest coming up soon. On the list is the CTO of Atlassian. Um, is another guest that's going to be coming here to, to Studio Z. So be sure to subscribe to the video. And thanks for watching. Add some comments. You got any questions for Scott? If you put a comment on the video, I will send I will it answer. his way. Yeah. And we'll get, a, we'll get an answer from the man here. So yeah, thanks Scott. That was great. Thank you.